0: everyone. Welcome to the Let's Talk Languages podcast. I'm your host Judy Um. And another special host.
1: Here's David L. Martin II from LinguaThor Fluency.
0: Today we are going to talk about how to get from a B2 level or a B level to a C1 level. So First of all, let's talk about the differences between a B level and a C level. So David, what do you think of the biggest difference between a B2 and a C1 level?
1: Well, the biggest difference I would say is your ability to express yourself. So at the B2 level, if you look at the, the definitions of the various levels,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: can see that the biggest difference is in terms of fluency. At the B2 level, there is some degree of fluency about very specific topics, generally topics that the learner is quite familiar with. Whereas at the mm-hmm. C1 level, you're already starting to get into a, let's just say, a range of where you can quite fluently talk about a very wide range of topics, even topics that you are, have been exposed to for the first time, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's a, it's a, it's a question of familiarity Mm -hmm. at the B2 level. It's really your familiarity or lack of familiarity with the topic is central to your ability to converse. Whereas at the C1 level, you're already starting to become very, very independent in terms of the topic. What would you Mm -hmm. say?
0: I would also agree with everything that you said, and I think the biggest difference would be the variety of topics, yes, but also the level um, of your speaking and writing, so how you produce your thoughts and opinions, and this has to be in a very coherent and logical way. I also think that the level of your speaking and writing should be at a university level, so regardless of what topic you're going to get, you have to be able to understand everything that's being said and be able to argue efficiently with the right logic and reasons. Mm-hmm. I think um, getting from a B2 to a C1 level not only requires linguistic ability, but also your ability to reason and to engage in a discussion more actively and proficiently
1: yeah uh, it's and it's great that you mention writing because mm-hmm. obviously what I was saying was only in reference to speaking writing is obviously incredibly important mm-hmm. at least in terms of taking the these exams the exams mm-hmm. that are associated with these levels because you have to it's not just about comprehension and production uh orally but uh obviously also in in, in terms of your writing ability and 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 as you said, and I think a very a good a key word is university. So, talking about academic forms of expression, and on that note it's important that we that we mention that native speakers mm-hmm. of a language do not necessarily reach a mm-hmm. c one or especially not a c two level. Most people will simply not as you said need the they, they simply won't have need of the ability to create complex arguments in, mm-hmm. especially in writing you know, and and producing sophisticated uh, texts.
0: Mm-hmm. And I also think that living in a certain place that speaks your target language doesn't necessarily make you a C2 level speaker because, as you said, Mm. uh, C1 and C2 level requires you to speak at a very academic level. And just by living Mm. in that country doesn't mean that you're going to get exposed to all these academic kind of writing and speaking. So I think mm-hmm. if you live in that place, you might be able to get it up to maybe like a B2 level. But uh-huh. you don't study the language or if you don't get exposed to all of these academic materials, you have a low chance of getting it to a C1 level.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say, I would actually say you're absolutely right. And I would mm-hmm. say that it's impossible or well mm-hmm. nigh impossible to reach a, a C1 and, and and absolutely impossible to reach a C2 level without mm-hmm. doing extensive reading. So the, I, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. The biggest difference between a B2 and a C1 is at the C1 level, you are doing a great deal more reading. You are mm-hmm. starting to expand your vocabulary. So there are certain, uh, th- there's, there's a great deal of research on vo- the vocabulary that is necessary, the lexical items that mm-hmm. are necessary in, in order to achieve or to be able to say that you have a certain level uh, mm-hmm. And these are these are highly language dependent. Um, there's also a lot of fascinating research there, but um, let's just say across the board, uh, the mm-hmm. research that that I was looking at earlier today, uh, yeah, the the numbers double pretty much every level. So at the at the A1 level, there's about 300 lexical items. Uh, Headwords is the is really the best way to put it. The way that it's generally expressed in the research, a headword means that you understand not just a word but all of the forms of a word. So argument, argumentation, uh, argue, right? Those are all uh, forms of the verb to argue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So 300 active vocabulary words and 600 at the A1 level. At Mm -hmm. the A2 level, 600 active vocabulary words and 1,200 at the passive. Mm -hmm. And then it doubles. It doubles. So at the C2 level, you've got 10,000 words of active vocabulary and 20,000 words of passive vocabulary. There's Mm -hmm. no way you're going to be able to reach those those levels of, uh, of lexical ability without reading uh, mm-hmm. a great deal of different uh, um, sources, right?
0: Yeah. And that brings me to another experience that I had in high school. So in Korea, high schoolers can't take or are not allowed to take the C2 exam because they would assume that high schoolers are not able to reach a C2 level in a foreign language because they know that it's a advanced level that natives can't even reach so, yeah, that happened to me once. And I thought that was kind of really? Yeah. That's yeah.
1: absolutely fascinating. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're not even allowed to take, which means that the maximum level you can take is C1. Yeah. And what what specific exam is the C1 I, exam that you are allowed to take?
0: I think it was the DELF exam. The DELF and the DALF exam.
1: French. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's yeah.
0: also um, Junior. It's called DELF Junior. Uh, the exams Uh for B1 and B2. And they, -hmm. so this is an exam that's made and tailored for um, middle school and high schoolers who are learning languages, but are not able to take the same version of the test as adults because they Mm -hmm. obviously have a difficult time understanding the adult material, (laughs) adult material Uh meaning academic, to academic material. So they Mm -hmm. have this separate exam b one
1: and b two yeah. yeah, and that that is very, very interesting because a- at the end of the day, your ability mm-hmm. to learn or your ability to reach a certain level in a foreign language is very much dependent on your level in your own native language. Exactly. So if you yeah, so if you if you are not familiar with academic language mm-hmm. and scientific texts in your native language, you're simply not going to be able to i mean you you could. But at that point, your ability in the foreign language would exceed your ability in your native language. I have a, an anecdote on that note. When mm-hmm. I was when I was teaching, I taught business and scientific English at the University mm-hmm. of Göttingen in, in Germany mm-hmm. for five years. And when I would teach writing,
0: mm-hmm. not
1: only did I often uh, find that students knew very little about properly organizing a, a text and preparing to actually write a, a, a co- and make cogent uh, arguments. But w- what, I, what I found was when their English language writing ability was lacking, I found out because I, I did, I, I actually had them write in their native languages. Most of my students were German speaking, mm-hmm. but some were Spanish speakers, some were Italian, French speakers. I had some Chinese uh, speakers as well. I had them write in their native language first and then write in English. And I mm-hmm. found out that their writing abilities in their native languages were not very good.
0: Oh. that they made
1: that they they had they had they lacked the ability to write uh, in some cases grammatically correct sentences especially lengthier academic type sentences mm-hmm. and they especially lacked structure in terms of their writing so I, I i i had to work with them i had to say look you know your your english you're doing very well but your english is suffering or your grades are suffering not because you're bad at english but because you need you simply need to work on your ability to, to write better, let's just call it that, uh, mm. overall, your, your, your global ability to write better, uh, mm. and I would provide them with targeted exercises to do that, and then your writing will improve not only in English, but also in your native language.
0: Yeah, right? definitely. That's a bigger problem if you can't write in your native language, because where do you start, right? How yeah, do you yeah. improve? <laughs> I mean, of course, there are <laughs> methods, but I think that's a bigger problem, and... Yeah, I completely agree. And I've always talked about this all the time, that your native language um, decides on your level to reason and to think. So for example, mm-hmm. in 1984, the book 1984, I don't know if you read it, but it I talks about the languages. Yeah, totalitarian <laughs> regime. And the government, uh-huh. what they do is they eradicate some of the words so that people can't think in that concept, right? So that also ties yeah. into what we're talking about. Language kind of defines your scope of thinking.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if you are if you are limited, if you are limited in well, one of my favorite quotes is by Wittgenstein. And he when he said it, he didn't say it with reference to learning foreign languages. But the specific quote is the limits of your language are the limits of your world. Mm -hmm. And, and that applies not just cognitively, uh, and linguistically, but obviously also culturally, uh, so, so many aspects of the way that you you think are dependent on the language or languages that you that you speak, and that's why mm-hmm. you know you and I both know every time we learn a new language, our our world is expanded because you just yeah. you gain a new perspective on on mm-hmm. reality.
0: Yeah, so I think maybe learning a different language opens doors to different culture, different people. But I think that um, the general scope of thinking and coherently talking about a topic comes from your native language and it also depends on how much you read in your native language and i think
1: mm-hmm.
0: everything comes from reading speaking writing everything comes from reading
1: at more advanced yeah. levels yeah, yeah Abs- more advanced uh, levels. At, at more At yeah. that yeah so so the, just so everybody knows we're talking mm-hmm. about the difference between b2 and uh or rather getting from a b2 to a C one mm-hmm. uh you're absolutely right i would agree with mm-hmm. that yeah at earlier levels uh it's absolutely paramount that you do far more listening than reading. Yeah. And the reason is that otherwise your pronunciation and just everything will suffer. The, mm-hmm. the reason why in every language we say, oh, this sentence sounds good, or that sentence sounds bad, is because our ability to decide whether something is grammatically correct or not comes from listening. That We don't say, oh, that reads good, right? Yeah. Nobody says that any language. I mean, you can say, oh, that reads really well. It is something that is occasionally said in English, mm-hmm. but that's usually when you're talking about some very, very dense piece of text Somebody yeah. that somebody has spent a lot of time writing. In, every, in our everyday lives, we say, oh, that sounds good. Well, there's a reason for that, right? Our ears are so much more important than our eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, h- historically, written language has not existed for all that long. So our brains are simply much better. At dealing with uh, spoken language than written language, so we have you have to work at it, like you were saying, you have to mm-hmm. go out of your way. living in the country is not enough. You have to work at it, just like a native speaker has to work at their writing mm-hmm. and their and, and, and their reading right?
0: and I think yeah. uh, because you have to produce uh, to get to a c one or c two level, I think it 's also paramount that you put in the right kind of input, and the input that is pertinent to this level, I think would be maybe like debate programs, debate discussion Mm -hmm. programs, and also newspaper Mm -hmm. articles, pieces of literature relevant to the topic. So Mm -hmm. really living in that country is not the solution to everything. You can live in different places. You can learn to speak Korean, even in Germany, if you have the right (laughs) material.
1: (laughs) Yes, I I agree. I don't think it's at all necessary to live in a country in order to become fluent. Obviously, if you live there, you're going to have many more opportunities to speak. But mm-hmm. the great majority of the opportunities that you get to speak are going to be random, and there you you don't really have much control over the situation. So yesterday mm-hmm. I was in 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 Belgium. Uh, I, I traveled from where I'm where I'm staying here via maastricht and then i went down to liege and i spoke uh, uh, french as opposed to the dutch that i've been speaking for the last few days mm-hmm. and the french that i spoke was the french that you speak on the streets so i was talking mm-hmm. you know i would ask people where something is or what they would recommend going to see mm-hmm. or you go into a shop and you buy a few things or you, you order a beer right mm-hmm. none of these things are they're important especially when mm-hmm. you're traveling to a place none of these things would ever be considered uh, at, at an advanced level and the only time you're going to get into an advanced conversation is when you're with a speaker of that language mm-hmm. who is actually capable of speaking at an advanced level and using yeah. a wide range of vocabulary. But, you know, you can't go out of your way to... I mean, you can go out of your way to to, to find such conversations, but it's so much mm-hmm. easier to do that from the comfort of your home,
0: mm-hmm. going on
1: a platform,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, any number... There are any number of platforms. And then in a... You know, and I teach... I, I always you know teach my students to prepare... You know, what is it that you want to be able to talk about? We will prepare that topic. You will learn that vocabulary. And then we will actually work on your ability to use that vocabulary in a targeted manner within the context of this particular conversational topic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to do from home than it is to do it, you know, in the foreign country, unless obviously you're studying at university. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I agree that living in a certain place helps you improve your But one of the problems that I've encountered while studying Spanish is that I am a C1 um, level speaker in Spanish and I can talk uh-huh. about global warming, about you know economic problems, financial crisis, everything very logically. And people ask me, oh, where did you learn in Spanish and everything? But when I um, try to talk to people, talk to a group of Spanish people who are talking really fast in Spanish, I get lost. So uh-huh. I think that's also a difference between the C1 level and a 2 level because in C1 level, you can express your thoughts fluently and precisely, but mm-hmm, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that you'll be able to understand 100% what the native speaker is saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially mm-hmm. when people, as you said, are speaking fast and they're mm-hmm. speaking, they're using, let's just say, more colloquial yeah. uh, language or, or 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 usages, and and that mm-hmm. is fascinating. That that's that's why. I like there's one breakdown when you and I were doing research mm-hmm. uh, on the CEFR levels, there was one breakdown that we saw that we found very fascinating at the uh, in terms of speaking for each one mm-hmm. of the levels they broke down. Uh, they actually broke speaking down into two different components. One was mm-hmm. uh, spoken production. Uh, mm-hmm. So what you were okay, just yeah. talking about was your ability to produce Spanish and talk about complex topics like global warming which uh, obviously <laughs> is at a C1 level if not as if not a C2 level but mm-hmm. the other the other component of speaking was spoken interaction
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that yeah. at, in that sense that's your ability to actually interact at speed uh mm-hmm. so at the at the speed that is uh that is necessary um for the particular context in which you're speaking mm-hmm. and uh there's a big difference between C1 and C2 uh, absolutely i agree with you 100% there mm-hmm. Uh, because at the at the so that's the difference between my Spanish and my German. My mm-hmm. Spanish is C1 borderline C2 because mm-hmm. if, because if if people I I also if people are speaking really really fast and also depending on where they're from I will sometimes have difficulty understanding what they're saying. Whereas uh, now granted I've lived in Germany for ten years. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter how colloquial, how fast, what dialect unless it's a really crazy dialect of german mm. i understand absolutely every single thing that everybody is saying it's oh, okay. very very rare when i don't understand something and that mm, that that yeah. comes from living in the country for so long yeah, yeah. and just exposure to thousands of hours of the
0: then do you think it's ever possible to reach a c2 level without living in that country
1: uh that is a fascinating question i i would say yes but it would, cry, it would require watching a great deal of television, <laughs> yeah, television. <laughs> and the reason why I say mm-hmm. the reason why I say television is because uh, you know it's not enough to just watch movies and Netflix all the time. Uh, the kinds of things. So I've been in 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 the Netherlands for a week now, yeah. and the gentleman who I'm staying with, he has the TV on all day long, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I I can't complain at all because every time I I, I, uh, I, I go into the living room. You know, there's some other show that is on. My my point here being that um, you can you can really become quite familiar with mm-hmm. a language and its culture by watching yeah. uh, TV, and that's why Dutch uh, speakers and Scandinavian speakers all speak English really really well because they grow up watching English language television and mm. all different kinds. What is your take on the on that question, whether you, whether it's possible or not?
0: I think it's very possible to reach a C2 level without having a language-speaking country because, of course, it's going to take you a lot of time and effort, but if you have the right mindset and if you have the right material, and what I mean by right material is just real, authentic content that could be either a Netflix documentary or just YouTube videos, and if you watch it constantly, it's not impossible. But I've actually... Yeah, like French. I've never lived in France, but I have C2 in French. But I think mm, even with the C2 level, I feel like sometimes I need to learn the language a bit more because I don't understand everything. Just by having a C2 doesn't mean that you absolutely understand 100% of what native speakers say. So that's the problem or the difference between maybe a C2 level and a native level, I sometimes feel like. Mm -hmm. So. How much of a difference do you think there is between a C2 and a native level?
1: Well, I think that that's kind of a trick question because Mm -hmm. what does it mean to be native? The problem is defining what that actually means. Generally, people consider sounding native to be native. So if you are able to convince native speakers that you are also a native speaker, that makes you native. But that's tricky because... (laughs) you know, if you're, if you're quite good at learning pronunciation and, and mimicking, right, mm-hmm. which you and I, you and I both are, uh, yeah. I, I, I regularly make people think that I'm a native speaker of multiple languages, mm-hmm. uh, German, Spanish, French, Dutch, I've had uh, people think that I'm a native speaker of all of those languages. But as soon as you talk to them for five minutes, yeah. then all of a sudden the gaps start appearing. Yeah. And then, I then sometimes I think, well, this person must have grown up speaking my language, but also grew up with another language or spent a (laughs) long time in another country. And that's why they have kind of gaps in their ability. So when it comes down to it, most people consider being a native or sounding native to have to do almost uh, entirely with, with pronunciation, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. um, Because it's not just pronunciation. Obviously there are so many factors. It's also your ability to authentically, um, uh, you obviously use the grammar of the language and also create so if you create for example new words mm-hmm. uh you know plays on words and things like that doing it in the same way that a native speaker would these are all things that for example i'm able to do in german uh you know when i make a joke i'm able to play on words in the same way that a native speaker would because oh. i have that that level of granularity uh and experience of the language that it there's no it makes no difference to me um but you know in terms of I really think it comes down to what you want. What what is it that you want to do with the language? What do you want to achieve? Do you just want to to sound like a native speaker because it's cool, and you you know you want to be that cool polyglot who is super good <laughs> at pronunciation, or is do you know do you need the language, whether it's English or German, uh, for academic purposes? You know, my 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 one student who I was talking about earlier, he's learning Norwegian and German to because he 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 he's an engineer and he wants to. Um, uh, find work. He, he simply can't find work uh, where he's living now in Spain. And he would like to move to Norway or Germany uh, uh, wherever he can find a job faster um, and live in a more stable environment. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he would li- he obviously, he would like to speak well, um, mm-hmm. but he has very, very specific objectives for his ability to use the language. He mm-hmm. needs to be able to, to, to first and foremost, um, convince his uh, potential employer that he is a proficient, uh, confident user of the language in uh, in all of the contexts that are necessary for his for his job. And mm-hmm. secondary to that is his actual ability to communicate in the country, right? Whichever country yeah. he ends up going to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, you know, we're not wasting any time uh, learning things like, could I have a cup of coffee, please? But rather, yeah. we've jumped, with my bilingual method, we've jumped right into the things that he needs to learn uh, in order to achieve those, those, those objectives, those very high I level know. objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether he'll actually ever sound like a native speaker of Norwegian or, or German, I don't think he cares. He wants to have good pronunciation. As we talked about last time, if you have good pronunciation, then you make people you're, this people you're speaking with feel good. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I, I honestly, I don't, I, I doubt that that's one of his objectives.
0: Mm. Yeah. So I think, I, first of all, really agree with the point that the difference between a C2 level and a native level is the ability to understand jokes. Yeah. I think that's really cool. That really makes sense because even in a language that you're really proficient in, it's highly unlikely that you will be able to understand every joke that's being made by the native speaker. And I think Uh that's really the measurement of where your language level is at and also regarding pronunciation i also wanted to say that just by having good accent and pronunciation doesn't make you a c level speaker because there's Absolutely. so much mm-hmm. more than pronunciation that you need in order to reach mm-hmm. that c1 level so mm-hmm. i think i personally put a lot of emphasis on pronunciation because i very much enjoy speaking like a native speaker but mm-hmm there are some people, students, who really struggle with pronunciation, and for those people, I want to mention that don't stress too much about pronunciation, because Mm -hmm. it's not everything, and Mm -hmm. you can improve maybe your other forte that Haitian masters don't really have, so, Mm -hmm. yeah, and that, without the rights, or without, you can definitely
1: Oh, absolutely. You, you, Mm -hmm. you, by no means do you need to have a native-like um pronunciation native-like pronunciation in order to reach a c2 level and th- at the end of the day even native speakers don't under- understand other native speakers if they have a different accent mm-hmm. so uh, you know at the end of the day an accent is just a different way of, of speaking and yeah. if, a, if a a speaker of midwestern american english speaks mm-hmm. with somebody from liverpool in england for example uh, the the Liverpool speaker is most likely going to understand everything that the Midwestern speaker of uh, of American English or speaker of Midwestern mm-hmm. American English is saying, unless they use something that's very very kind of colloquial for that area. But the mm-hmm. other way around is not necessarily the case. Somebody who uh, I actually spoke with a guy from Liverpool in Heidelberg a few weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. and he was you know teaching me all kinds of slang like uh, "spech" is a way to say "spot" as in my parking. My he said something like parking spech. Uh, as in my parking spot for your car, oh. um, or parking space, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I never would have. I mean, I'll, obviously, that's that's kind of dialect. But but mm-hmm. my my point here being that you know having um, what does it mean to have a native uh, native like pronunciation? Um, and at the end of the day, it it means choosing. And you know, this is what I work on with my students. You need to choose an accent, like your yeah. your Spanish
0: mm-hmm. is
1: Spain Spanish. Yeah. Exactly. And so is mine. And we went mm. out of our way, we go out of our way to speak Spain, Spanish, that yeah. particular yeah. dialect, uh, if you want to call it that, of, of Spanish. Mm. Well, when I asked my students, I uh, used to ask my students, do you want to speak American English or British English? They said, mm. I don't care. <laughs> they, they, uh, almost all of them said, I don't care. I just want to be able to communicate. And <laughs> okay. most students don't care. And that's fine. So yeah. as long as you can communicate effectively and people, uh, and people understand you, then that's all that matters at the end of the day. No matter yeah. what level, what, no matter what your end objective is in terms of the level you want to reach, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I've seen many people, especially in Korea, some students have lived abroad for a couple of years, so they speak like an American. But when I listen to their speaking, I sometimes feel like they have zero content in what they say, but they have perfect pronunciation <laughs> with zero content. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whereas yeah. there's maybe like professors who've never lived abroad, but have studied the language a lot and are able to express very coherently in that language and has a lot of content in what they have to say.
1: It's probably sometimes difficult to understand what they're saying because of yeah. the their pronunciation.
0: Sometimes, yeah. Yeah.
1: So and so and so that that's where um I, I agree with you that content is more important than pronunciation but you know uh and you, you know you said it was a very altruistic um yeah. uh, altruistic mm-hmm. uh, perspective um but at the end of the day you know why why do you want to improve your speaking well it's your ability to improve or your 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 wish to improve your ability to communicate with others and express mm-hmm. your ideas uh and if people have difficulty understanding you because your accent is very thick then you can have the best ideas in the world but people are going to find it taxing mm-hmm. and laborious to mm-hmm. understand you and so you know uh that that's where I think it's necessary to work on your pronunciation, not to necessarily sound like a native speaker of some dialect of the language, Mm -hmm. but in order to make your pronunciation clear enough and let's just say unambiguous enough to be able to, so that it, so that your pronunciation does not distract away from your content. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. But I think if you're able to deliver your content well enough, it's not, it's not all that necessary to speak or emulate a native speaker 100%. I don't think that's a much. I, but you have agree. to be able yeah. to communicate efficiently. And that's mm-hmm. where the importance of pronunciation comes into play.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So should we wrap this up?
1: I think we can go ahead and wrap up this episode.
0: Yeah, so if you have any more questions about uh, moving from a B2 level to a C1 level, do not hesitate to contact us or leave us a message or comment. We will be very happy to answer all your questions.
1: Yes, thank you very much for listening. And thank you again, Judy, for your insights. Uh, I always find it quite enjoyable speaking with you. Mm -hmm. And we will see everybody next time for the next episode of Let's Talk Languages.
0: Yes, thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.